So I was not the disciplined student, right? Because my mom, I wanted to learn. And so my mom got me a whole bunch of books on tarot. And then I had like Big Blue, which if you know anything about Wicca and paganism, it's called Big Blue. It's the Big Blue book. Um, but, and Scott Cunningham, like she would always give me books. She would buy me books. And she was like, here you go. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, I want you to teach me. And she's like, here you go, read. So I had the books, but I refused to read. Like, I was just like, I just want to know. Like, I want you to tell me. Um, and so I, it wasn't until I was probably right before I got pregnant with her, I think is when I um, really just was like, okay, you're going to read. You're going to, you've been playing around with cards, but you haven't actually like applied yourself to learn. And then, of course, when I was pregnant, um, I had spare time because I had dropped out of high school. This episode is dedicated to the major arcana card, Justice. Not only is Brandy a forensic psychic and crime analyst, she also happens to be a Libra. Listen as I ask about her transition from law enforcement to professional tarot reading and the crazy story behind her early retirement from criminal investigation. If you haven't yet, please follow this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And thank you to everyone who's left me a rating and review. I'm so glad this podcast has become a positive part of your lives. Now let's get on with the episode. Brandy is a professional tarot reader, forensic psychic, podcaster, and teacher. Outside of reading tarot for clients privately, serving as a crime analyst and forensic psychic to law enforcement agencies across the U.S., and co-hosting the Keeping It Simple podcast with Jennifer Steedley, she teaches on a wide variety of topics. Her passion involves teaching others how to enhance their psychic abilities and communicate with spirit, deepen their tarot knowledge and universal wisdom through advanced psychology and symbolism, and how to use their intuitive gifts and the guidance of tarot to assist law enforcement agencies and the families of victims and missing persons as a forensic psychic. Having traversed both worlds, she understands the complex nature of each and where limitations prevent these two professions from working together in harmony. Her mission is to change the way in which the general public and law enforcement agencies view and engage with psychics and intuitives, both personally and professionally. Hello, Brandy. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me. This is exciting. I've been excited to talk to you. You have such a such an interesting <laughs> past. And we're going to start there because I think for my audience to really understand you, I think they need to understand the job you had before this. Um, and then we're going to get into tarot. But I, w- I want to start with what was your job before tarot? Because I, I think you recently transitioned maybe like a couple of years ago. I transitioned in, fully in 2017. So we're sitting at right at about six years. Um, so prior to reading tarot professionally, I was a crime and intelligence analyst for law enforcement and the intelligence community. Wow. So what got you into that? Was it, was it just your interest in people, your interest in crime, obviously? What what was the uh, impetus? So as a kid, I can remember watching cops because it was the eighties and that was what you did. Um, there wasn't, you know, 
parental warnings on things. So we just watched Cops. Um, I remember watching Cops. I was about three. And it was like one of my earliest memories. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a cop. That's what I want to do, which is very stereotypical because I'm a Libra. And so, um, and then it went on the older I got the, you know, obviously you become aware of more of the criminal justice system and then it's not just cops. And so then it went into, I was a teenager when the original CSI came out, uh, CSI Las Vegas. And I used to watch that with my dad. And that's when I was like, I want to be an investigator. Um, but I also remember, like my mom pointed out recently, she was like, I remember you playing with my tarot cards and watching 21 Jump Street. And so in the 80s and, you know, early 90s. And so it's kind of just always been there. Uh, as it progressed, I went from investigations to the psychology side of things. And so when I was in school, I did a double major in psychology with an emphasis in forensics and then criminal justice. And then that went into graduate school. Wow. That is an extensive, I mean, it's just an extensive past for somebody who's now transitioned into full-time tarot reading. And it's funny, you're a, you're a Libra. I'm a Libra. I was thinking about being a lawyer. So I, I get it. Yeah. It's like anything that's like yeah. relationship, non-emotionally, you know, like it's like, how do we do yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> so it, air signs. It's funny because you said you wanted to be a lawyer and I actually, um, I could have gone to Harvard and I turned it down because I did not want to do, I, ha I was a single parent. Um, I was also a teenage mom. And so I had um, a, a child right before I turned 19 and I had one of my legal professors was adamant that I go to law school. But then once she found out I had a child, which she could not believe because of how well I was doing in college, she flat out said, she said, like, it's, it's very difficult to get through you know, law school, no less with a child in tow. And she was like, you don't want to put your child on the back burner and law school is going to require that of you. And so I, it's funny because that's the same. I toyed with that too. And I was like, no, nah, the psychology's there. And I really don't want to, my memorization ability is, is kind of uncanny. Uh, I'd imagine but at the same hand. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I, I, Law is not my. It's my a whole other thing. Passion. Yeah, it's a whole other. Yeah, thing. It's a whole other side of the system. And everybody yeah. doesn't. I mean, when you think about law, it's not what we see on Law and Order. I mean, that's a that's a portion. That's a small portion of lawyers. Most of them are, you know, corporate lawyers or lawyers who make sure that patents are, you know, stay like in check or copy or whatever. You know, it's like more corporation, yeah, than it is defending the people or or putting bad guys away. <laughs> Well, and that's, and that's what she was. She was the, um, her husband was the district attorney and she was the assistant district attorney. And so she wanted me to go into criminal law. And I, and that was another thing is I just told her, I, in order to do that, you have to be a defender first. And so I was like, that's the other thing. I can't defend a guilty person. There's no, I'm a SAGD rising. And I'm like, I, <laughs> I'll be the one out there being like, no, nope, my, I'm sorry. My client's guilty. Just forget it. It's not happening. Bye. <laughs> I, yeah. Bye. Bye. Felicia. Like it's not, yeah, there's no way I could do that. So it was just a culmination of things, but I do, I think it's a, it is definitely an air sign thing. And then you add that Libra in there with that sad rising. And it, it is just kind of like steamrolled into, I want to do investigations. And, um, it actually wasn't even, 
I wasn't planning on going into law enforcement. I was going to work in, um, oh, I did, but was going to work in federal intelligence. And then it kind of got changed in an interesting way into law enforcement. Okay. That's so interesting. So what, so let's go back to Tarot and 21 Jump Street. Yes. Um, your mom said that you played with her tarot deck. So she was a reader or? Correct. Yes. So my mom, um, my mom learned, I think she was about 12. She was in a Catholic school. And so she actually learned from a nun. Her name was Lucia. And if anybody's from Houston that's listening, you'll know Lucia's garden. Uh, Lucia ended up leaving the Catholic school uh, as a nun and married a priest who also left the school. And uh, they got married and they opened a magic shop in Houston called Lucia's Garden. And that's where my mom learned. Wow, that <laughs> these are some twists and turns already, even before your story. It, yeah. it, it's obvious that you know, everybody's differentiations or everybody's different uh, life stories probably helped you have your own, you know, big U-turns or changes, right? So she learned at 12. How did she, did she just land there at 12? Did she just walk past and they just said, come on in, read or? I, I know she, so my mom was going to the school there. I don't remember if it was formalized or how it was, but I remember she, i parts of the story that that was, she was at the school. Uh, Lucia was one of her teachers, one of the nuns. And so my mom has always questioned things about, um, the traditional stories. Like I remember being young and my mom being like, yeah, Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. And yes, they had children. And like all of these things as a kid growing up in the church, but my mom brought the other side of it. And she also brought up um, old world magic, uh, ritual magi type stuff. And so I grew up with both worlds. My mom, we were in the Methodist church. My mom grew up with Catholic church. My dad grew up as a uh, church of Christ. So it was a very interesting mix. This is very sad rising as well. There's so many yeah. different spiritualities <laughs> in your home, like so many different belief systems, mm -hmm. so many different ways of believing. I mean, it's, with an ascendant like that, you're looking to expand your, your, well, it could be your faith or your beliefs, or, you know, if, if you move into tarot reading, it's expanding your um, actionability inside of uh, spirituality. What can I do in here? Not just retain or not just um, receive, right? So that's, so what did your mom do for a, was she a, a, mag, a magic person for a living or what no, did she do no. as her occupation? She, she only um, read for herself. Like, I just remember as a kid, there were cards and I grew up with cards and crystals and there was always incense burning and amongst other things, but there was always, you know, <laughs> that was just, it was the eighties. Yeah. And so, and then the nineties and that was, it was normal for me, but she never did anything with it. Um, interestingly, my mom was a dancer. She was a stripper and, and then a, um, bar owner and bartender. And that's, what was it's very interesting because she took the complete opposite of my dad was a high-ranking navy officer my grandmother was an elementary school teacher and a girl scout uh leader and like all of these things and so my mom was like eh, i don't want to go to college this is what i want to do so my mom traveled and was as about as 
80s and 90s as you get. I mean, that's not a bad way to live, you know? I mean, like, that's not, I mean, to know yourself or to know your um, desires, to know how you want to live your life that early, I think a lot of us would be jealous of something like that. You know, it's just like, all of us are trying to fit into some kind of mold, some kind of direction, some career Mm -hmm. purpose. And your mom was like, you know what, I'm gonna just do me. And that's a, I mean, that's what's so interesting about it is because people, when they hear that, and I'm like, make no mistake, though, my mom is the most intelligent person that I've ever met in my life. I mean, if, if it's out there, it's amazing. You can sit down and have a conversation with her on anything. And it is well researched and understood. And if not, she'll be like, let me look at that. Let me dig into that. And so people have this misconception of when they hear tarot or anything like that magical whatever that it automatically means oh they lack critical thinking they lack this well she lacked education but she didn't want to because if you ask her to this day she'll say no i took my college fund and i blew it to go travel i did yeah, she had real I world experience yeah, yeah she was like i i and she does she knows people from all different walks of faith um she's been all over the place so it's one of those that it was she lived instead of learned through a textbook. When she was reading for herself, did she read psychologically? Is that one of the reasons that you became, that you got really interested in psychology? Or how did she read for herself? Um, as far as reading for herself, I'm sure part psychology was part of it. Um, but I also know, you know, you have all the spiritual and metaphysical side and then being well-versed in the Bible and all that, that was the other side of it. She still has her deck. Um I, and I've told her when when you pass, I want your deck and your crystal wand. Those are the two things that I've since I was a little kid that I'm like I want these things. Um, I mean, you have the family heirlooms, right? But those are part of her and part of my childhood. As far as the psychology, I've always been interested in why people do what they do. Um, I had a very I, I don't like to use the word traumatic, but I had a very difficult childhood actually that was not a product of my mother. It was a product of my biological father. And so I've always been interested in why people do what they do, um, particularly criminal behavior, addiction issues, things like that. And so that really fueled the psychology side of things. Um, it's always interesting to know when you come out of those, you want to understand like, why did that person do that? What was in there? Where was that trigger? What was, you know, whatever. Let's, I, more came, that more came from my biological father than it did my mom. Wow. So this was a person, so your father, not not your father who is a, what would you say, an army officer? Or- yeah, that was the, uh, naval officer was my mom's dad and then my grandfather. So my stepdad is my dad. That's who raised me um, from the time I was four. And, but my biological father really, I mean, my parents were married. They got married when they were 16 and 18. Um, and so, yeah, like it was back in the day, uh, or 17 and 19, one of those two. And so it was shortly, I think I was less than a year old when they separated. Um, and a big, big part of that was domestic violence. And, you know, my father was an alcohol user and stuff like that. Um, and drug user, I'm sure at that time. And so it was more of like what went on in his life and why he did the things that he did, um, to avoid trigger warnings on here. I, there are traumatic things that happened to him 
or that I should say he was witness to that subsequently led to his substance abuse use uh, as a young kid. And so then that just steamrolled. So then you want to understand that. And I have mental illness that runs in my family on his side. And so I wanted to understand. It's kind of like, um, I'm sure you've heard that they say, you know, victims of abuse are likely to abuse. And so it was one of those that it was like, I was also terrified in essence that I would in some way abuse my daughter if I didn't get like understand those things so that being drawn to the psychology side of things too was it was just much of a fear right as a, a do I understand it like is this based in truth is this reality is is this number always a statistic or you know and of course you you learn that it's it's choice it's there's you know unhealed uh wounds type of thing which those generations before um our generation, even our generation as young kids, we were like the first ones that it therapy was even like a, you could go to a therapist, but before us, that was not an option. That was the generation prior to us was, you, you didn't do that. So. That's very funny. I actually have that same feeling. My dad um, was really difficult to live with when I was growing up and I don't have children, but that was one of my fears was that I would be I wouldn't be able to control myself, right? That's something that's, that's the fear is that, you know, if this is um, genetic or if this is, even if it's behavioral, you know, is this something that um, I'm unable to control? And if I, you know, really look into this or if I really understand it, even if I find out that it's a hard thing to control, maybe I'll, I'll be able to control it. And lucky for you, you found out it's a choice factor more so than a control factor, and it's also a temperament factor. Some of us, I think, are just lean a little bit more towards cooperation than Absolutely. others, right? And so I think that made it probably easier for you to even wonder if there was something wrong with you. There was something that somebody said to me about narcissism that just like blew my mind. And I said, you know, I'm worried that I might, you know, maybe I, I am one or maybe that's, you know, maybe that's in me somewhere. And the person was like, even if you question whether you are it or not, you're not a narcissist, you know, like they don't question that. Is that fair? Yeah, it is. It is. So, um, and I'm not a psychologist, but I do have a background in psych. And so in the narcissism thing is one thing that I, I find funny because everybody passes around what narcissism is. And they only, like, you really don't know what narcissism is. Um, but that is one thing that if you are narcissist, do not, they will consider that they are, they're not concerned with whether they are. That's the difference. They don't give a crap. Um, and so it, it is, it is, a, it is a choice and it is a matter of, you know, for instance, I don't usually drink. I can count on one hand the times that I've had a drink I, in at least the last five years um, because not because I have uh, an, an issue with alcohol, but alcoholism runs in my family. Addictive personality runs in my family. And so when I was 21, that was not the case. I was not quite as concerned about that. That sad but, rising was like, give me, give me the world. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I got, you know, a little bit wiser with a, a few years because the novelty of 21 wears off. But I also had the constraint of you have a small child. I had a, what, three-year-old at the time, two-year-old. And so it was, I couldn't do the the normal, I guess you would say, 21-year-old experience but I did come to the understanding of, you know, you can take that off the table. 
if you're not consuming alcohol, then you can't put yourself in a position to be an alcoholic and continue the behavior that has been subsequently surrounded me my entire life. So it's a lot about choice. And that's really where the psych came in was understanding what is nature and what is nurture and what is choice and what is it's, it's just there. I love that. I think that's really important for a lot of people to hear, especially people who listen to this kind of uh, topic, like tarot, astrology, occult. I think a lot of times they're very interested in psychology because they have family members that have maybe hurt them or they've had to work through um, their relationships with them. And they have to work through their own relationships with other people because of, you know, the behaviors that they've taken on in their lives that they're trying to shed. So I really appreciate that you let us in on that more private part of your life. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm fairly open about it. I mean, I think it's important that people understand it and my, you know, I don't want to traumatize anybody. So, and without going through all these trigger warnings, um, I, I've literally, when people hear about my childhood and even then the, um, my biological father, as it stands today, I, people have asked me like, did you make that up? I'm like, no. And, and it's documented. There are police reports. Like it's not a, it's not a, it's not a secret. It's not, yeah, it's not a secret. And I, I don't hide it because A, I'm not ashamed of it. And B, it tells people, you know, you have a choice. I've had so many people tell me you should be dead. You should be in prison um, or you should be homeless. Like based off of this and how did you get to where you are? And it's, it was choice. It was a matter of deciding I'm going to fight back and fighting back cost a lot of money. Um, I still owe a hundred thousand dollars in student loans. And so, you know, I, I did every, I did what I had to do to set myself up where I didn't fall into familial patterns. Yeah. Do you think that your, um, your child helped with that, even though you had, yeah, it it kind of helped you with the responsibility or feeling like, okay, I'm not living for myself anymore. I have to make these choices. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I mean, there's no, I think there's a lot of glorification that's going around teen pregnancy. And I think that it's disturbing. Um, I was that person that um, turned 18, got married three weeks later to somebody I'd only known six months because I'm just so in love and turned around and got pregnant right after that. And that didn't even last until, I mean, that ended before she was born. I think it was like five months pregnant. And so at that point, I had dropped out of high school my senior year. And it was like, you need to go back to school. You need to finish your senior year. You needed to get it together. And so I tell her all the time, you save me from myself. Like you, and you know, and it's ironic because she's going to Harvard this fall. It's ironic that I didn't go that route because I had a child and now she's doing and making better choices, which I've had to be the helicopter parent. And I have been about don't make the same choices I did don't fall into familial patterns, don't this, don't that, um, which has caused stress. I'm not going to lie. Being a parent to a teenager is, is it's tough. Oh, I can't um, imagine. <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> but, you know, it's choices. And that's what I tell people is no matter where you came from, what you came out of, it's choices. I love that. Yeah, I love that because I think that is one of my mom was pretty not a helicopter mom at all, but she was very clear about, you know, I don't, I mean, maybe it sounds cold, 
right? But it's, um, you know, whatever's going on in your life right now, even if you could blame it on absolutely legitimate things, it's your life and your choices, and you're the one who's going to have to live with them. And it really helped me um, gain the ability to be more responsible, or at least acknowledge when I am the root cause of things. And it, it isn't as hard for me to move through that because of I had a mother who was a bit more um, just, you know, and I don't, I'm not a mom, so I don't know like the, the parenting styles, you know, but it's an honesty it can, thing. Yeah, exactly. It can feel, that's probably why it's a Libra thing. You know, I'm, I was brought, I was brought up by a Pisces, but like, it was very, this is right. This is wrong. This is moral. This is immoral. This is, you know, it's, it's a, and get on the side you want to be on because that's the side that's going to accumulate, you know? So I want to ask you then, when did you start to seriously play around with tarot then? Because you were, you had a child at uh, 19 and you were going to like full-time to school. You were a full-time parent. Um, you were going to school for such a large uh, endeavor. Did. So when did this, yeah, when did this start coming up? I started reading tarot as a teenager. Um, it was around late 90s when the craft came out yeah. and mm-hmm. practical magic and, you know, because it was around me and I wasn't, so I was not the disciplined student, right? Because my mom, I wanted to learn. And so my mom got me a whole bunch of books on tarot. And then I had like Big Blue, which if you know anything about Wicca and paganism, it's called Big Blue. It's the Big Blue book. Um, but, and Scott Cunningham, like she would always give me books. She would buy me books. And she was like, here you go. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, I want you to teach me. And she's like, here you go, read. So I had the books, but I refused to read. Like, I was just like, I just want to know. Like, I want you to tell me. Um, And so it wasn't until I was probably right before I got pregnant with her, I think is when I um, really just was like, okay, you're going to read. You're going to, you've been playing around with cards, but you haven't actually like applied yourself to learn. And then, of course, when I was pregnant, um, I had spare time because I had dropped out of high school. And so um, I was not doing anything with my time except being pregnant. So I was reading Mary Higgins Clark and playing around with cards. And so after she was born and now I'm back in school, it was one of those just passive things where it wasn't a spending all my day. It was when I could, I would read something or play around with the cards. It wasn't a direct, like, let me sit down and read this whole book. Does that make sense? I was still oh, yeah. kind of like a passive thing. It wasn't until um, probably 2000 and right around when she was born. So she was born in 04. Um and so then I graduated. So yeah, you're somewhere right there is when I was like, okay, like you need to get like, start learning, like get serious about this. Because at the same time I was going through a divorce. Um, and so it was kind of like, do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going into school, I'm going into law enforcement, I'm doing all of these things at one time. Like you need to, to get really clear on what it is you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Um, and I didn't always listen to my cards, which is funny because now I look back and I think I, there's still certain cards that came up and I'm like, yeah, but that's not really what it means. That's exactly what it meant. I mean, that's how I ended up double majoring. Like I remember my cards were like, no, no, don't do it. Don't sign on the dotted line. And I was like, yeah, but I really need to double major because this is what I want to do. And so I did it, which signed me on for another year of school. Um, 
So I ended up doing five years for my bachelor's because it was a double major. And then when it came down to graduate school, my cards were like, you're set. You don't need to go get two more years. Like you've, you've got the career in the bag. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, yeah, but I really need that master's to set me up. And the signed on for an additional, I didn't even know, like $60,000 oh. for two years. So oh it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when those it's, cards hurt you. <laughs> yeah. And I still remember, I remember because I look back and I'm like, God, like I was so in my what I wanted that I was unable to see what they were actually saying. I knew what they were saying. I just chose not to listen. So this is my, so this is what's so interesting. You say you're not, you weren't at one point dedicated, a dedicated student. You wanted just to know. Um, and your mom kept giving you books. And finally, when you had some spare time, you started really getting, into it. So this entire time, it has never left you. You you've wanted to do this. This it never seeped out of your body or you so this whole time you've been like, at some point, I'm going to learn tarot and I'm gonna I'm gonna master tarot reading. Yeah. So I so I did it over really the whole time I was in college. Like it was one of those that I would I would pull cards for like what do I need to know about this exam? Like, am I going to get through this? There were times with professors. So there's a website called ratemyprofessor.com where you can basically go on and look like the reviews for a professor. And I remember when that like launched, like it was in its early phase. And um, I was pulling cards on professors and like which class I should choose for my schedule because I did not want to. I don't like easy professors. Um, I like somebody who's going to challenge like I, that's just how I am. But at the same hand, there's a lot of professors out there, and I'm going to say it, that have no business teaching. They're poor teachers. They they may know their subject, they don't know how to teach. And after a few of those, I was like, I'm like, I need somebody who can get up here and teach these concepts and challenge us, especially when it came to psych. Because if you're just having me memorize and regurgitate things out of a textbook. I don't need to pay you for a class and X number of hours of my week. So I was using cards for that. And it kind of just developed over time. Being a professional tarot reader, though, was not that was my retirement plan. So when you're in the field, you can do 20 years to retirement. It's not 67. It's when you go in, it's 20 years of service and you can retire. That's not always with civilians. Um, it depends on which agency you're with. And so that was my plan was do your 20 years and then you can open up your own practice. You'll have built the clientele. You'll have established your name and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Because most of who I read for during my time in law enforcement and even in college, I was reading for friends. Um, I was reading. I didn't really usually read for family because I'm even with friends, I get kind of cautious still to this day. The less I know, the better. Yeah, um, me and too. I'm not one to yeah, I'm not one to keep my mouth closed. So if I see something, I'm gonna be like, excuse me, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Like, what is I this? I see the devil. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> exactly. So most of who I read for was fellow first responders, law enforcement, um, either as a friend or case assistants, and so that went on through my entire career. And then when it came down to making a decision and I ended up ultimately leaving the field, I've continued to do it. It just wasn't, um, I've continued to do it for law enforcement. It just kind of was like, Hey, your retirement plan just got bumped way up. Wow. So 
Why? So, so why did you retire so much sooner than you were planning? That's actually, that's several things. Um, I had a, an issue with the agency that I was with. Um, and it wasn't just the agency that I was with. I have a big problem with, and I have to be careful how I say this. Um, when we put politics, money and numbers before people, I have a big problem. And I put myself in a very bad situation. Um, I had gotten put on a case. Uh, it was a serial sexual assault suspect. They believed it was serial. And they had stuck another analyst on it as well um, out of a different department. And um, this person was not an actual analyst. They were basically a secretary who had been bumped up to an analyst through an, a series of agencies. Basically, they had been in law enforcement long enough that they got made an analyst. They don't have actual analyst training experience, any of that. Um, and so my supervisor came to me and said, I need you to look at this. I think this is going on. Um, we don't know how long that they have had it being the other analyst. And so I started digging into it. Uh, I said, these out of the, the 11 cases you've given me, these six or this person, these five are, are not associated. I also dug out a total of, I think it was 31 cases over a span of two years. And I said, these are the same. This is the same person. They fit everything. Um, I believe it's the same person. And so I couldn't get uh, the special victims unit to listen to me. And so because the other analyst was working it, um, she was also messing around with two of the investigators. And so um, we had some words because uh, I, I don't hold my tongue. Like I'm, I'm there are certain things that I'm not going to hold my tongue with. And I flat out said, you have women being assaulted because you don't want to listen. I am telling you the um, I'm giving you a complete profile on the offender. I'm telling you when they're hitting, where they're hitting, likely place it to geographical profiling, which is based off of Dr. Rosmo's stuff. Um, and so this is the proximity of where they're living. This is everything. I laid everything out and they said, thanks, but no thanks. We've got this other person working it. And I said, well, you know, her suspect list is over a hundred people of different races uh, and ethnicities and ranging in age from like 15 to 65. And there was no, there was no profile. It was just, let me grab every sexual offender that is registered within a certain percentage of, you know, proximity or whatever. And this is where my defining moment, I had been struggling with this agency that wasn't prepared to do what needed to be done to get violent offenders off the street. Because at this point, I'm a major crimes analyst. That's my specialty. Um, part one, UCR, violent major crimes. And so this is what I do for this agency. And then you took an analyst and just stuck her here um, and she doesn't know what she's doing. So uh, I knew where the offender was going to hit next. Um, and this is part of being an analyst, which I've learned so much of my analyst. I didn't consider myself psychic. I just thought I was a really good analyst, which afterwards people are like, there's no way you could have known that. Like, there's so many things that we thought as an analyst, like you and your brain were thinking you were just some really bad, you know, mamma jamma crime analyst, but you knew things you nobody could have known. And so I... Um, I grabbed my work mom, my work aunt, which had both been in law enforcement at that point since the early 90s, late 80s, um, and then my basically apprentice. And so they were out of my unit. I said, you're going with me. I'm going to show you where this he's going to hit next. 
I know where he's going to hit. Um, and it's if I can't get them to listen, we've got to get him off. I need more of the pieces to put together to identify him. I had everything I needed. I just needed a name. And so um, we went and we went to the apartment complex and we got out and I walked up to the exact apartment and I said, this is the one he's going to hit next. This specific apartment and this apartment complex. And he walked two feet behind us and he stopped and he looked at me and I locked eyes with him. And I was like, I got you. I know who you are. And he looked at me, they, the, the women looked at me and they, I mean, one of them, my work mom was a, um, former officer with that agency. Uh, her husband, they were both officers. He was killed chasing a suspect in 1993. And so she ended up becoming an analyst after that because, you know, Paul was killed. And so, um, I took off on foot after the guy and she yeah. And so he started to sprint and I started to sprint. I needed to know where he was going. Um, and so it was. And you I were in civilian un- clothes. I am a civilian. So I was an unarmed oh. civilian going through an apartment complex that I was not familiar with. Yeah. After this. And so he, he knew. He, oh, he, he knew. And he, he knew. Whoa. And so that is, that's so specific. So. And I'm, I was about to ask you about the psychic <laughs> where when that came out. So you basically just this is one of those moments where you were like, this is probably a little bit further than an analysis. Yeah. <laughs> so and, like- and, and he I, I mean, at that point, um, my my work mom, Betty and my work aunt Sylvia and, the, and, you know, my apprentice Taylor were running behind me trying to figure out where I went. And, and Betty is yelling because, of course, I'm sure for her, you know, looking back, it was flashbacks to Paul chasing a suspect and, and being killed in the line of duty. And so um, he disappeared on me and I knew he had to have gotten into a vehicle. There's nowhere for him to gone. But right at that point, it's, it's kind of a weird story. But when we had pulled into the complex, another vehicle was pulling in um, and I noticed they were watching me or, or us really. And I was in my personal vehicle, by the way, which is another big no, no. Um, this tells you how, how like um, desperate I was to get this guy off the roads because I was at this point, I've identified him. And you're not doing anything about it. You're not looking into this. You won't, you won't do anything. Um, you won't even consider it because you have quote unquote another analyst looking at it. And so, uh, at that point, I got in my vehicle because I've looped back around. I've gone to the front of the complex behind him. Um, I got in my vehicle, looped around and they all get in my car. And of course, work mom's yelling at me, you know, what are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. And so, um, Anyways, and so uh, I'm like, we're going to go, we're going to find him. He couldn't have just disappeared and he didn't go into any of these front apartments. There's no way. Um, he had to have jumped this fence over here. And so we went, we went around and he was, he popped out. We went a couple blocks and there was a big shopping center and I pulled in there, which one of the assaults had happened there too, uh, in that parking lot of that um shopping center. So I pulled in and all of a sudden he pops out from behind the buildings and he's walking. So I'm watching him go across the parking lot and I watch him get into the same vehicle that had pulled into the parking lot when we had pulled in at the complex a few blocks away. So uh, then we proceeded to follow him in the truck and then uh, at that point, my work mom was like, I'm done. We're going to get, you know, killed. We're going to get shot. Nobody's armed. Like she's, and I get it. You know, she's 
rehashing. And I kept saying, we're fine. My spirit team says we're fine. And she did know. They all, my, my analysts with me, did know about me reading tarot. They did know about all of those things. And um, which, interestingly, I have my work mom's deck, too, that she got in the 90s that she bought after Paul's death, trying to connect with him. And so, you know, we ended up, she was like, we're done. We're going back to headquarters. Like, we're done. And it was after that that I had to really take a step back and go, you just went on foot unarmed as a civilian after a serial sexual assault suspect that has managed to do this for two years um, and get away with it. And he could have easily taken me. He, he was, he was bigger than I am. Um, and that's at the point that I was like, you need to make a, a really hard decision here. Um, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this agency. And I told my supervisor, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, but I can't be here anymore and I can't do this for this agency anymore. And he said, I get it. And I said, I, he was like, you're, you're too, he literally told me, he said, you're too good for this. And he said, and I was worried about that when we brought you here. And I wanted to say, well, then why the hell didn't you tell me? Like you should have told me, I asked you, I asked questions in the interview because I want to make sure that if I'm with an agency, you don't have to listen to everything I say, but there are certain things that you need to let me do my job. And so, um, I ended up teaching high school criminal justice for a year. And while I decided if I wanted to find a different agency or just lean into the cards. And at that point, uh, I had twin boys. And so when the twins were born, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I cannot. um, You don't realize you have PTSD until you realize you have PTSD. And when you have children, it brings out PTSD, especially when you've worked violent crimes. And so there were things that I thought I had under control. Um, And then the twins were born and it was like a whole new, and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, and I'm not going to put myself in another situation where there's the potential to leave a child without a mother because I could have easily been injured or killed. Wow. And you brought up your spirit team. So you had developed a relationship with your spirit team for long enough that you could hear them during this chase. Like they were letting you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's how I knew where to go next. They they literally showed me the complex and the apartment to go to next. So I knew knew the apartment complex um, statistically made sense on the pattern, but the actual specific apartment number, um, they showed me. Yeah. And that's where I went. That is something that I think a lot of critical thinkers who are also terror readers need to hear. Cause I'm, I'm like that. Like I look at things statistically and if you're finding it hard to hear your spirit team, you might want to look at things like how do I cancel out as many things as I possibly can so that I, I whatever they tell me, I can rationally believe it. And then you can maybe work from there. But so between the ages of 19 when you first started looking into tarot and this day did you is that like the arc of you studying with your spirit guides that at that point on that day you could be that clear with them or have you always felt your spirit guides? i I mean i've always as a kid i could see and communicate and and all of those things and it kind of brandy and i continue our conversation on how to communicate with our guides how to become better tarot readers 
and the idea behind profiling the court cards. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can stream it using the link below. If you'd like to listen to all full episodes, past, present, and future, receive monthly readings, discounts on tarot readings from me, participate in exclusive giveaways, and more, join the Aquarium Plus for only $5 a month. Thank you so much for spending your time with me, and I hope to see you at the next episode. Blessed be. Blessed be.